The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Support for this show comes from John Maxwell Taylor's Gravida Award winning performance on the life of Swiss psychiatrist Carl Gustav Jung, now available in a stunning new 3D audio set. To learn more, please visit www.johnmaxwelltaylor.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. My guest today is Natalie Goldberg. Natalie is an author, poet, novelist, memoirist, painter, Zen practitioner, and spiritual pioneer, whose 1986 book, Writing Down the Bones, Freeing the Writer Within, changed the way we practice writing, and it's just come out in a 30th anniversary edition. Her new book, released at the same time, is The Great Spring, Writing, Zen, and This Zigzag Life. The Great Spring is featured in the March-April issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Natalie Goldberg, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, this is a delight for me. I have known of you for 30 years and have we've emailed a couple of times, but we've never had a chance to talk or certainly not, not meet face-to-face. So this is really very special that you're on the show. And while I know a lot of your readers know much of your spiritual journey, I'm, I suspect that many of our listeners don't. So let's start with a bit of spiritual autobiography. How did you get from a Jewish upbringing to Zen? Let's start with that. Well, um, to be totally honest, I tell the whole story in Long Quiet Highway, which came out in 1992, but I had a very deep awakening teaching a sixth grade class in Albuquerque in the public school, and my whole life was turned upside down, and I moved up to Lama Foundation. I don't know if you know that. It's outside of Taos. They wrote Be Here Now with Ram Dass, and they had all kinds of spiritual leaders coming through. But when I sat, when I sat still for a half hour, it was bingo for me. This is what I want. I wanted just to be still and to have a relationship with my own mind. It so just what was, let, me, let me interrupt you because I want to know the connection between that and this teaching the sixth graders. Oh, I don't know if it had anything to do oh. with it, except that that's where it happened. You know, I, um, I, I was teaching them, and I, it was a very crowded room, and I had no control over them. It was a lot of Native American kids and Hispanic kids. I had just moved there from the East Coast, and they were always ripping around the room, zooming around. I had no control. I did things like... Um, two people came and said, we're from Cuba, and we came to see your school. And I said, Cuba? And I whipped open the um, world map and said, class, where is Cuba in, um, on the map? 
And turned out it was Cuba, New Mexico. <laughs> from. I mean, I was ridiculous. I was a total fool. And in the middle of it, one day, I, I just, while they were, the kids were zipping around, I felt my heart open in a way I'd never experienced it before. And I looked out the window and I saw myself wandering in fields. And I didn't know what to do with it, actually. It was very scary for me because I was really an intellectual. And I'd studied philosophy, Western philosophy. And my friends were intellectuals, so they couldn't help me. And finally, someone said to me, go to Lama Foundation. Ah, so that's how you learned about that from a friend. Yes. And when I met um, Asha Durkee, who was walking down the path, who had started Lama, and she said, what are you doing here? And I said, my heart opened the Garden of Eden. I was so naive. <laughs> I, the Garden of Eden opened in my heart. And she said, you need to learn a practice to keep watering it. Wow, and, nice. Yeah. And then I, uh, I sat, and that was it. When I did meditation for the first time, I knew, bingo, that's where I belong. Now, were they teaching Zen? Zazen? Zen no, sitting? No. We weren't teaching Zazen. So I sat for about five years on my own. I even moved into the town of Taos and I changed a chicken coop into a little Zendo. And I sat, rather than a chicken sitting warming an egg, I sat there. And then over time, then I moved up to Boulder and I was with Trumpa Rinpoche. And then I got married and I moved to Minneapolis. And whoever was teaching Zen or Buddhism, I went to, and Katagiri was there. And bingo, he was my real teacher. So I have to know, does a chicken have Buddha nature? Yes, of course. <laughs> that's why they cross the street. <laughs> oh, that's it. Why did the chicken cross the road? They For Satori. They right. wanted enlightenment. That was it. Exactly. <laughs> So where, where are you now with your practice? Do you still consider yourself uh, a student of uh, Kandagiri or uh, wh well, where's your spirituality now? He, um, you know, he died 25 right. years, 26 years ago to be exact. Um, I, he was my deep teacher. I've studied with other people. Finally, you have to be your own authority and no one can give you that authority. Your human life if you face it and stay intimate with it, it will break you. And I, you know, I still practice my writing practice, which I teach is a legitimate Zen practice. And I think it was three years ago, I came out with a book called The True Secret of Writing. And I teach writing in silent retreats, sit, walk, write. And writing just is equal to the slow walking and the sitting meditation. So that's, I was going to ask you that. So really for you, sitting meditation, writing meditation are, I, I don't know if I want to say the same or manifestations of the same mind. Yes, yes, of course. Baking a cake is also a manifestation. If you take baking seriously, you can wake up from that. Anything that you stay with and t do seriously and stay with it under all circumstances can so, wake you up. So define seriously for us. Seriously means you don't, um, when it gets hard, you don't run away. You stay in there. When it gets, you decide you're bored, you stay in there. When you get frustrated, you stay in there. 
You don't cop out. Hmm. Makes absolute sense. So I, I'm going to do a little self-revelation here and then see what your response is. Because, you know, I also have Zen training and writing is basically how I, I make my living. And, and I started writing when I was 13 years old. And I started sitting Zazen when I was 16. And my goal was originally to write my way to fame and fortune and to sit my way to enlightenment. By the time I hit my mid-30s, I realized I, I, well, I'd lost all hope in fame and fortune and I gave up any thought of enlightenment. And I just did both, I think, more out of habit than anything else. And now I'm in my mid-60s and I write and I sit because I enjoy it. So has your attitude, I mean, it's still serious, I think, but has your attitude changed uh, over the years of doing this this practice? Oh, yes, of course. You know, I studied with Katagiri, old Japanese male Zen, and I liked it. It gave me a very powerful foundation, but I've softened a lot. I can't even sit in, you know, the regular cross-legged position anymore. I pulled something in my hip during a midnight zazen. So, yeah, I've I've softened. But yeah, it do I love it more? Well, you know, over time you have a deeper relationship. It's and I'm happy that you love what you're doing. It's a deeper relationship and sometimes I hate that, but I stay in there. You know, love and hate are very close to each other. But because you're serious, you sit regardless whether it's love yeah. or hate. You write regardless. So what is your practice day like? Um, you know, it, it changes all the time. First of all, I travel. And right now I'm on a book tour. But when I'm working on a book, I, um, I really try to get up early and write before I do anything else. But I, I should also say my writing practice which is, a, I, all I know is writing practice, and that's what I use to write a book. But when I just want to meet my mind in the moment, a lot now, I close my eyes. I, this is new for me. I use my keyboard, and I just go. I go crazy. Sometimes I'm sobbing, and if you can read it, you can hardly read it because my eyes are closed, and I'm just going. You know, I'm expressing everything I feel. So that's changed because I never used a keyboard. When I write a book, I still write it by hand. So what caused the change from, um, from pen to keyboard? Oh, because it's very efficient, and it also signals to me and to my mind, okay, Nat, go anyplace, go berserk. I did go berserk in the notebook, but I can do it faster here, and I can close my eyes, which I couldn't do when I was writing on a notebook. Mm, that's very interesting. I, I get a sense when I'm, because I use keyboard almost exclusively. I use a keyboard, you're right, it's more efficient, but I can, in a sense, type faster than I can think. And so whatever comes out, comes out, and then I use the rewriting time to actually make it make sense. But it's that, that the, the typing without thinking uh, seems to be very liberating. Is that sort of what you have in mind? Is that the same yes, kind of thing? It's just wild. And sometimes it's gibberish. You know, I let my liver talk. I let, you know, my <laughs> knee talk. I, you know, I do whatever I need to open up. Wow. 
when anyone who's read your books know that this stuff ends up coming out, you know, eventually very in a very powerful way. The new book is The Great Spring, Writing Zen and This Zigzag Life. Tell us about the notion of, of zigzag life. I love the, the, the image. What do you have in mind? Well, think about it. Has your life been straight and narrow? Even when you try to be straight and narrow, many things get involved, come in, into play. And what you, where you think you're going, often you don't end up there. Life is zigzag. You know, even though I continue to write and continue to practice, you know, um, it's like riding a bucking horse. It, there's no straight line for anybody. Life is zigzag. It's not A, B, C. So, which is true. I mean, there's nothing straight and narrow in nature itself. So everything you say, like you say, is, is zigzag. Are you that free when you, when you, I mean, you have, obviously you're on a book tour, so you have some places to get to and some things, some obligations. But it sounds to me, and, and don't tell me I'm wrong because it would just burst my bubble, but it sounds to me that you really, that, that it's almost zigzag is a practice for you and that you're open to whatever happens. Yes, but within a structure. In okay. other words, I'll be open to whatever happens, but I have to give a reading in Miami at a certain date and time, and I will show up for that, but I'm open to whatever the audience is like and how to meet them. Yeah, which is like sitting, right? I mean, you show up at a certain time, whether you're in a cushion or a chair, and then you're open to whatever happens. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I have to admit, though, uh, when I sit now, I mostly sit outside and it's not at a special time. Oh, and no, I don't okay. write now at a special time, except when I'm really pushing on a book. Now, in the early, you have to understand, I've been doing this for 45, 50 years. So it changes. And you, don't, you want it to change. If it just stays the same, something is wrong. Right, then it's, then it's uh, a, dead sort of a, 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 dead, yeah, a dead thing, a, sort of a fetish maybe. Yeah. Uh, you've turned it into an idol. Yeah. 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 It's no longer zigzag. You're right. frozen. So I was reading a review of uh, The Great Spring, and the reviewer says uh, you share these, and this is the way the reviewer puts it, Wait, these marvelous. Sorry? What, what review is this? Oh, I, I, I actually, I can't remember. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't okay. think Go it ahead. was. All right. But it may be the one in spirituality and health, but honestly, I, I didn't put a footnote on it. I guess made a note that, that uh, the reviewer says that you share in the book, that you share these marvelous moments from your life. But as I read the book, I would change that. I would say that you share marvelous moments of your living. There's an immediacy about your writing in general, but there's an immediacy in the stories that you tell in this book. So that as I'm reading it, it seems to be happening right then and there. Exactly. And that's what you, I mean, that's what you're going for. That seemed, it seemed to me that's the zen of your writing. Exactly. And I'm right there when I'm writing. I'm meeting my mind and accepting it, how it comes to me. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't also clean it up and stuff. Oh, sure, sure. But it's the writing practice that keeps it vital and alive so that it's constantly an act of discovery. If I knew what I was going to write ahead of time, why do it? It's boring. The yeah, you know, I, that, is that the discovery. 
Yeah, I used to think about writing mystery novels, but I always knew how they were going to end. So I said, well, what's the point? Yeah. Now, I, couldn't, I couldn't get myself motivated to do that. Is it the same for you when you're painting? Um, painting is my darling pleasure. I just do whatever I want there, but I don't push myself in any way. It's just my sweetheart. And really what I want to do is mostly express besides the self-portraits, which are a different level. I mostly want to express the ordinary human life of sitting in a cafe, having a cup of tea, the loveliness of a garden, of sort of to remind us of the ordinariness of our everyday life. And painting, I don't push myself. Writing is my real practice. Painting, so, oh, let, let me... Paint, let me Okay, go ahead. I'm going to interrupt you because I want to take sure. sense. I want to take issue with that. So, um, with with your notion of painting, sort of just uh, you know the ordinariness. The, the book I'm thinking of is for our listeners is called Living Color: Painting, Writing, and the Bones of Seeing. And I have the book. I'm looking at it. What you see is far more. I mean, this is not a photograph. I mean, this is this is. I'm getting <laughs> Natalie here. Yes, it's sort of. It's sort of having tea on LSD. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I can't draw a straight line. And I accept however it comes out when I draw it. So I guess that is like writing practice. Yeah. It, the, the, the paintings are beautiful and, and they're, they're very expressive. It's just, and the, and the colors are so exciting. I, I guess I'm obviously a fan. I should tell you that The Great Spring, each essay in there or story, I, I saw it as a canvas where I would put in as much detail as I could. So I was painting with words, each story. Okay. Uh, and it comes across. I mean, it's, it's very powerful stuff. So let's end in the two minutes we have left. Can we end with a story from the book? I, uh, I'm not going to ask you to read one. Can you think of a... Well, what comes to mind is one where I'm playing ball with my father, or, you know, one of those pink rubber balls, and he, I'm eight years old, and we're in the backyard, and he throws it as high as he can, and I catch it. I run all over and catch it, and one time I run into something, and my, I, my tooth is bleeding like crazy, but I don't care because I'm going to catch that ball. <laughs> And then it goes on suddenly to, this was all fun, but where did you go? It's really about impermanence. That's a little summary. Yeah, yeah. And your, your dad passed away. Yeah, like 15 years 15, ago. 15 years ago, yeah. I've read what you've written about that. So, okay, so since you asked, I have to ask you, and we'll bring this to a close. Where did it go? It dissolved where everything goes. Nothing is, he stays forever. It's all impermanent. Do you find that comforting? No. Just, no. <laughs> no. Stop. Stop. Don't go on. But it's the truth of existence and you can't fight it. Though we try to all the time. All the time. Well, this has been a marvelous, marvelous conversation, Natalie. Oh, Thank wonderful. you very much. Thank you so much. I'm really ha glad it's happened. Yeah, so am I. My guest today was Natalie Goldberg. She's author of The Great Spring, Writing Zen and This Zigzag Life. You can learn more about Natalie's work at her website, 
nataliegoldberg.com. Natalie, again, thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. I appreciate it so much. Support for today's broadcast comes from John Maxwell Taylor's Gravida award-winning performance on the life of Swiss psychiatrist Carl Gustav Jung. The performance is called Forever Jung, and it's now available in a stunning new three-CD audio set. To learn more, please visit johnmaxwelltaylor.com. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please visit spiritualityhealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.